0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of Govs on the Go Alumni Edition, a new podcast featuring alumni from the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin Peay State University. My name is Dr. Buzz Hun. I'm the dean of the college. I'm also the host of the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Hallie Hogan from the class of 1984. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hogan.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And. Uh, Before we get into all the um, career journey, let's give give everybody a life update. Where are you? What's going on?
1: Okay. Um, Well, for those who knew me, I was Hallie Coppage back in the day, and Hogan is my married name. So uh, I moved to North Carolina about uh, 20, let's see, good heavens, 21 years ago, uh, and took a job at Elon University. Um, and I got married uh, to Charles Hogan and this I have my new name um, and so I've been teaching at Elon ever since. Um, we moved recently a few years ago to High Point, North Carolina, the furniture capital of the world, which is just down the street from Burlington and uh, because he had he has a really nice uh, job at St. Mary's Episcopal Church there and uh we enjoy we enjoy being in this community uh so i'm i'm now kind of have i have uh Friends in both places, both High Point and Burlington. My mother in law lives in Burlington too, so that's nice. So I get to stay with her a couple of days a week when I go to work. And so now I'm currently uh, still teaching, teaching voice primarily and other music related courses. And I am the chair of the music department at Elon. And Charles and I have um, a daughter who's in law school, and we have two wonderful pets, Susie um a mutt <laughs> who's a who's a fabulous dog and uh jasmine our cat
0: <laughs> and you know you were sharing with me that you grew up from uh in clarksville and so we're yes. going to talk about some early influences as a young person growing up in tennessee so um, right. <laughs> you know, I always think it's interesting to find out, especially from somebody like you that that is a performer, somebody at, at some point in your life, you must have realized, I, I have no fear, I have this really, um, you know, desire that I can sing or I can I can dance I can entertain when did that come to you?
1: <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, because it's very interesting. Uh, My sister, Rosanna, is about eight years older than me. And so growing up, um, I had a really um, colorful childhood, um, lots of books and music always in the house. And my mother, my mother used to actually be a dance teacher before she became a school teacher. And so, you know, there was a lot of culture to be had all kinds really Uh, When I look back on that, you know, uh, back in those days growing up in the 60s and the 70s, you know, there were a lot of... um Uh, only three or four channels on television, but you had access to so many different kinds of music. And of course, musical theater was a great love of my sisters and of all my family. We loved that. And, you know, who didn't? So, (laughs) so we, um, you know, we engaged uh, or my sister and I certainly engaged in all kinds of musical activities in, in, and from elementary through high school, we went to Clarksville high school and that, that high school had a really fine theater and music program. I consider myself so very lucky that I had a really wonderful choral experience in high school, um, because I've actually realized that many people did not have that, and and so that I'm, I'm very grateful for, for that experience. Um, and you know, I guess as a child, I just I it was sort of part of my life, but I was a pretty shy. Kid, I, um, my sister was very, um, what you'd say, an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And I was really an introvert. But my mother would kind of give me these little monologues to learn. And I would be in those little 4 H competitions and I would do really well. And once I'd get up on the stage, you know, I'd come alive. And, and it was like this whole different. World, you know, that just was a separate world from just Mm -hmm. the everyday. And so I, uh, you know, it's very important for people to find their interests and their loves, whether that is in some sort of theatrical or musical endeavor, or if it's in woodworking or athletics or whatever it might be. I think you, you just really need that. Place to go that brings you so much joy, and it did. And so I got hooked on it, and um, I did a lot of activities in high school related to that. And my first couple, few years in college, a couple years in high, in college rather, uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do though, because I had a lot of interests. And I was interested in a lot of subjects, and um, my parents were big readers, and they kept up with politics and all sorts of things. So I had a lot of different interests, and quite frankly, it was a little later that um, that I did finally settle on music, and, and I'm glad I did because um, I had some great
0: teachers <laughs> yeah, and, and a very successful career. And you know, I we were kind of talking that your as your mom is an educator and your dad that. He was an accountant, but then also uh, started working here at Austin P. So he certainly understood the the benefit of a higher education and and degree mm-hmm. and and the impact that it would have on you. You know, all those kind of things um, provide, I think, the support for somebody that's also trying to discover their way. Um, somebody like you, you were exposed to so many different things, and um, and that was probably a, a wise choice for them to make sure that their children had uh, the ability to find their own way.
1: Yes. And, and they were very, very encouraging of that. Um, education was always a big part of my family going back because both of my grandmothers, my paternal and my paternal grandmothers were school teachers so so you know back in the day you know um the beginning of the 20th century and so uh that was it, it you know that was just kind of second nature just learning and reading books and we had access to so many books like that and yes they were always encouraging i think the whole um you know, going through it, down the music or theatrical track. I mean, I think that makes a lot of parents nervous to a certain extent, because, you know, there's always those worries about um, supporting yourself. And you don't think of that as, you know, um, how shall I say, uh, maybe a solid footing in, financially in life. But um, along the way, they always supported me all through my college training, all the way up through my doctorate. and um, And, you know, I think, they They realized that it was important to pursue what you love and mm-hmm. and eventually you kind of figure out how to you know bring it all together and and that is what happened to me, thankfully.
0: Now it, um, I'm wondering if there was an instance uh, and an some experience, something that you may remember that uh, somebody gave you some really positive feedback on on a on when you performed when you sang a song. That you thought to yourself, you know, maybe I am talented mm-hmm. or maybe I have this gift. Is, is there a time where maybe that came upon you?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I told you that, you know, the first two, two years of college, or two, three years of college, I kind of just sort of, I drifted. I, I love to read. I love literature. I love history. And um, I had uh, friends all along the way. Um, who I would still kind of do some things here and there. And I would, I would sing at parties, Christmas parties and things like that. And, uh, and they'd always say, well, why are, why aren't you doing this? (laughs) And, and, you know, finally, I just thought, well, I don't really know. And, and I also realized that, um, that, you know, I think, you know, in high school, because I did so much that was theater and music focused, I think there was a little part of me that kind of felt like I missed out on learning those basics, because I was just kind of this little, you know, uh, little girl who liked to sing. And and then it was like, oh, well, I really want to learn other kinds of things about the world. And so that's what I did. But then I came back because that was truly where my talent I I mean, I really was um, a singer and an actress. And um, so, you know, I think it was just some very soft encouragement from friends that I knew. And, um, And then, of course, when I got into school and I studied with Sharon Mabry, I remember... Uh, The first lesson I had with her and I met her and I I was a little nervous because I knew she was just had this incredible reputation and everybody talked about how wonderful she was and she was, but she was also extremely approachable and very kind. And so she had me warm up a little bit and I brought a couple of songs and I sang for her and did some things. And at the end of the lesson, she said, well, because I wanted to study with her, but I wasn't quite in... Uh, enrolled as a music student yet i needed to audition first Uh, and so she listened to me and she said well hallie um she said i think you just have a beautiful voice and i think you can do anything with it that you want to do (laughs) so that was kind of it it was like oh all right well there's the confirmation so i'm gonna head out on this path and it was great
0: So as you were a student, you you know, obviously that you you probably were, um, as you said, had this musical theater sort of background, but you were probably getting exposed to music, uh, to genres, to doing some songs that you had never been exposed to.
1: Oh, you are so right about that. And that is something that I think to myself how grateful I am to have been able to have learned about that music because I knew classical music. Again, my parents, like a lot of parents of that day had like those Time Warner records where they'd have the great symphonies and yeah. we had all the Beethoven symphonies and I listened to those you know as a kid and and then we had those Disney like the Fantasia album and and that was all classical music Night on Bald Mountain and all these things so I knew some things of course Handel's Messiah we sang that at my high school parts of that every you know holiday season. Um, But I had no idea what all was out there. And I had no idea that there's still music like that that is currently written. I think people have a tendency to think, you know, classical music, that's um, Mozart and Beethoven and Haydn, and that's it, you know, and, and they don't really know a lot. Beyond that, and they also think of it basically as symphonic music, and and a lot of people don't even like opera because <laughs> they've just decided they don't like it. They may not have tried it, but but sometimes that seems to be a little off putting for some folks. But I fell in love with every bit of it. There were there was all these rich, beautiful art songs in French and German, uh, and American art songs that spoke to my heart with American set to American poetry. All these wonderful poets. And it just was so um, satisfying and being there at that time at Austin P, with her and working with George Mabry, who was this wonderful choral conductor, and my friends who were just equally fired up, I had about four friends who were equally as fired up about it as I was. Um, I mean, it's a time that I'll never forget and and probably one of the happiest times of my life uh, because we were all, you know, learning about this wonderful new world and uh, and yet having a lot of fun doing it. You know, it wasn't stuffy. It wasn't... um, I mean, I think sometimes have some people have that view maybe about studying classical music, that it's rather stuffy and what have you. And, and there are environments like that, but at Austin P, it wasn't that way at all. It was just joyous uh, with all the ensemble singing and everything. So, yes. And I tell my students now, you know, cause a lot of them, they want to do what they want to do. A lot of them are music theater folks and that's fine. And we certainly learn all of that kind of music and, and some of them really kind of want to do more popular music and we have every kind of singer imaginable, but, but I always say, you know, you're in college once. And I said, this is where you're going to learn about this and why not learn about it? You know, because probably when you get out of school, you're going to be preoccupied with your, you know, your road, whatever it is that you're doing. And, um, but this opened up a beautiful new world to me. And I loved, love, loved, love loved singing all that music, um, throughout for for quite a while
0: during my life and it's it's no surprise to me to now know that you are uh, doing the same thing for other people that <laughs> you are returning what was given to you and that that's a wonderful sort of thing. Let's talk a little bit about your friends though because uh, you know what I find um, fascinating in some ways is you, you know for students that are within the same major sometimes they can feel, Especially music students, they can feel that sort of competition with each other, which is good. (laughs) I mean, it certainly makes you want to, you know, be as good as you can. But um, there, you know, I also see a lot of support and I'm sure you got that from your friends.
1: Oh, I did. And you're right. Of course, there's always competition. You know, there'd be competition for roles in the opera workshops and competition for solos and concerts and different sorts of things. Um, that's part of it. You know, you you just learn that sometimes you, you have to compete. Um, and, and that's just kind of how it is. I mean, I think of people on uh, swim teams or track teams or whatever, you know, they compete against one another, but oftentimes, you know, they're very close to one another too. Um, but, um, I, um, those folks were so encouraging and we were all very different from one another. And I think that's part of it too. So, so we weren't actually necessarily usually competing against one another because we had different voices, um, you know, a couple of them were guys. And so, you know, they weren't necessarily competing for the same things I'd be competing for. Uh, and, and, and as I recall, we actually all wound up sort of having the opportunity to shine from time to time. It's not like one of us got everything all the time. You know, we got opportunities to work with one another. Uh, and that was always just uh, great fun doing that. Yeah. I, I consider that I've, I was very fortunate to have those folks, and actually, one of them uh, who graduated with me—or actually, he graduated a little later. He was a little bit younger than I was. Um, was responsible for helping me to, um, to find employment later on. Uh, so you know, you, it's good to keep those those connections and and um, you know, nourish nourish those relationships for yeah. sure. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's a lesson you learned very early on, evidently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So when you you graduated uh, from Austin P, did you Mm -hmm. immediately go into graduate school? Did you decide? Did did you search? And because at some point you were also performing and uh, getting some experiences uh, during that, right?
1: Right. I immediately did go to graduate school. I went to the University of Louisville and that was a lovely school i had a wonderful voice teacher there i'm pretty fortunate that all my voice teachers were really good um and that was don everett i studied with there um he was he was a baritone and uh he was different from sharon but that was good for me because he was a lot more strict and at that point i kind of needed somebody like that cuz i it was like you know, are you going to do this or not? And and I was a little older. And so, you know, it just felt a little more real, I suppose. Not, not that it wasn't real at Austin P, but, but it was, it was such a nurturing environment there. And, and this was more, you know, you're a working musician. So that was great because I, I grew up quite a bit, um, and uh, and I got to sing a lot at Louisville. I actually went back a few years ago and I sang at his big retirement going away event. And it was so great to see him and so many people that I went to school with there that, that I also made very close friends with. So I stayed in Louisville for a while and I sang in a lot of things in that area and I performed with a lot of the churches and the oratorio societies. I did a little bit of musical theater there um, and some opera scenes, mainly kind of outreach sorts of things. Um, and, um, and I also worked with, and I, you know, I kind of always kept that theatrical bent going wherever I went, because that was something I had that some singers were not as comfortable with, but I, I, you know, that was just always part of me, and mm-hmm. so that allowed me to do to get to do things that actually um, were very um, uh, fruitful uh, in terms of just entertainment. And so I did a lot of cabaret shows, and I did those with some of my opera friends that I made there. And that was always so much fun. We do all these, we perform at all of these big banks and fundraisers and things like that. So it was. Yeah, it was the sort of musical, theatrical world, and I stayed there for a while when I was performing, and then you know uh, later on I kind of uh, moved beyond that too.
0: Was it at some point did you come to the conclusion that you wanted to eventually teach, and uh, that you were that's why you were working towards eventually a terminal degree?
1: Yeah, I um. Um, I taught some in Louisville. I actually had a graduate assistantship at University of Louisville. And then I taught for a while at Bellarmine University, which is a a private school there in Louisville. And um, I I married and moved on to uh, another locale, went up to Michigan and did some singing there, uh, sang a lot of um, musical theater there. And um, yeah, eventually, I just sort of thought, you know, I think I'm, I want to go into to teaching, um, if I can. It's you know, academia. It's it's not exactly the easiest thing to go into, but but I kind of felt like if I got the doctorate, I might have a pretty good chance because I'd done several things and I I had the strength of sort of, te- of sort of walking between these two worlds between right. the classical world and the musical theater world. Um, which did eventually serve me pretty well. Um, So I went to the University of Louisville. I got um, an assistantship there, teaching assistantship there. Uh, I loved that university as well. Big school, Big Ten school, very different from anything I'd known. And I got to perform with the Opera Theater there and also with their oratorio societies. And my life took a little bit of a turn um, and, um, you know, my marriage ended at that point. And I s- remained there, though, and that was a great place to be. Um, it was a very, Champagne urbana was a very um, um, interesting place. And there were lots of opportunities for me. And again, I made a lot of friends. I, I c- I've always made these wonderful friends and even friends that are not even musical Uh, that I've really been so appreciative of all throughout my entire life. Uh, and then it was there. I was finishing my doctorate. I got a chance to work with John Wustman, uh, who was a world-renowned accompanist. He, he accompanied all the, the big stars like Pavarotti and um, uh, Lantine Price and these, these big names in opera. And so I got to take classes with him and perform with him. That was a very enriching, wonderful experience. Um, and then I got a call from a friend of mine who, the friend, one of the friends from Austin P who was working at Elon and they needed a music director for a show and for a winter term. And so I went down there and I did that. And then a couple of years later, there was an opening for um, a position and he called me about that. Um, And so I, I applied for that and here I am, (laughs) you know, lo and behold. And, um, and that was, that was great. And I was ready to, to, really devote everything to teaching, I will say that um, in classical singing, Uh, I always, uh, not always, but at some point in all of that, I developed a pretty uh, severe case of performance anxiety with classical singing. Now, I didn't have this with anything else. I could stand up and talk to 300 people (laughs) without a script, and I was never nervous, and and I certainly never was nervous doing any kind of musical theater. I don't know. It was just so... You know, it was so ingrained in my childhood, I think, that it just seemed pretty simple. The classical music, I loved it. Once I got into it and I was doing it, I was on fire and I was so happy and I loved the rehearsal process. But, you know, over time, I was kind of getting very tired because there would be this sort of period of about 48 hours where I would just I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat very well. and. Um, it was, it was difficult and it was difficult for me to talk about because it felt, you know, I felt a little ashamed of that. Mm. I don't now. I don't now because I think that, you know, we know so much more about how people are wired and different things. There's so much more conversation about that sort of thing. But um, I just, I just realized that it it was, it was worth it for a while because I loved it so much. So I would just go through whatever so that I could get up there and do it. And it was almost like this sort of out of body experience to sing Mozart or to sing Brahms or, you know, Samuel Barber, some of these wonderful composers music. But then I was, it kind of just, I started to get to a point where, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I can do this full time being it a classical a yeah there was a cost being a classical performer requires um a lot of grit it you have to obviously be talented and love it uh but you have to be pretty strong too you have to really be able to take your body has to be in tip top shape you know if you're a, particularly if you're a singer i mean you can't get a cold at all a cold is as bad as you know a serious disease for mm. a singer And uh, and you just um, if you're going to really pursue that professionally, you've got to figure out a way to do that and yet still have some sort of income. So if you're working, you have to be strong enough to then go to an audition and take off and do all these things. And I I think as much as I loved it, it was um, the way that I was doing it was taking a toll. So to get to get a full time job like I did. It was a saving grace, and I was still able to do some concerts, which that was not difficult for me to do within that setting. My husband and I went to um, England, and we did a couple of recitals together there um, a few years ago, uh, and that was just really beautiful. I've had some some really nice times, um, But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess everybody just kind of has to figure out their way, you know, Uh, you you have all of these great experiences, but, but, um, you know, nothing ends. I, I noticed that, you know, with, with a lot of my students, they they want to figure things out, and I was that way too. You know, you want to say, "Okay, I'm going to study this, and then I'm going to be this." Mm-hmm. And you know, you you can't just be something you you are who you are. <laughs> and then, you know, as you study and explore, and you know, drink all of that in, that all just sort of integrates with who you are. And and you can't just be, you know, trying to oversee and control everything. So that was kind of a wandering, meandering answer there. <laughs> no,
0: yeah. But I, I mean, it shows that you, you were finding along your career path, this, the joys in life. And like you had mentioned, uh, performing with your husband and, you know, that collaborative effort, I'm sure you was, was very, um, it has been a great blessing for you.
1: Oh, it, it certainly has. He's a, he's a fabulous uh, pianist. I really have enjoyed working with him. And then he does a lot of solo work, too, and, and also plays with uh, various instrumentalists in the area. So, yeah, I mean, it's part of my life. It will, you know, it continues to be a part of my life. And uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I never regret studying music. Um, it has brought so much to me, indeed.
0: Let's talk about another thing that you had mentioned, uh, which was taking kids over in a study abroad to Italy mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Florence. And uh, that sounds like just a wonderful um, experience and and probably um, changes them like you have been impacted in other ways.
1: You're exactly right. That that certainly um, has been a big highlight of my teaching career. Uh, we have a really good uh, study abroad area in, um, at Elon uh, Global Studies, and most of our students at that school study get an opportunity to study abroad at some point, either in a kind of a winter term short opportunity or a full semester. And so uh, professors can apply to teach during those full semesters. We have a, a little apartment there in a center uh, that we that we affiliate are affiliated with. And I went ahead and put my name down and I had to wait about 10 years to get my opportunity because, of course, lots of people wanted to do that. But it came my way the spring of 2019. And I felt so fortunate because it was before COVID hit. So I had that opportunity to go and um, they asked that you develop a course. And so I developed a course on uh, Italian opera uh, through more of sort of a societal, uh, cultural lens. So not not a history of opera course where you study um, sort of the nuts and bolts of um, composition and the styles of the composers. I mean, some of that is integrated with it, but it's really more of a look at um, how opera was born in Italy, and why it was born in Italy, and um, what makes makes it so very unique—the language, um, the um, the historical aspect of the Medici's and all of these families that supported art and music during the Renaissance, and and how it grew, and how it also sort of—it really influenced. Um, the business side of of music and and performance, because of all of the um, opera houses that uh, sprang up in Venice and throughout Italy, and how that just spread throughout all of Europe, in terms of um, the theaters and how the theaters were constructed and how then that became kind of a part of society and all of it meshed together, you know? So I, I was really excited to get to do that. I'd love to do it again. I feel like I'd be better at it a second time, but, but these students, we were in Florence and so we visited some theaters and we went to some courtyards where, you know, performances would have happened back during the, um, probably in the 1600s. Um, and we went to a couple of perform. I introduced a lot of students to opera who would have never had that opportunity because most of these students were not music students i think one or two were like music and liberal arts and then there were some dance majors but the but most of them were people like strategic communications and business and that sort of thing so we had a good time i think that they um they gained a lot from the experience they got to see madam butterfly which is a good opera for a novice to hear because it's it's engaging it's very dramatic and the the music is really really beautiful um and so i think that they they certainly did get a lot out of it and i had a little project where they each got to write their own opera and they didn't write music but they sort of you know wrote a storyline and so we had some fun with it and um and I got to live in Florence for several months and uh, live and my husband went with me and he well, he really enjoyed himself because he just, you know, cooked a lot and we ate a lot of food and, and toured the, there. <laughs> Lots oh, my. Of food. The, the
0: uh-huh. immersion in that culture. Uh, well, you and I will have to talk about that off (laughs) uh, off the episode to talk about how much, you know, I, I went there last spring and enjoyed every moment too.
1: Oh, it's it's a beautiful, and the people are very friendly uh, people. And um, yeah, I I just we just adored it. He didn't want to come back really. I'm I'm a little more pragmatic, and I'm like, well, we got to go back. You know, I think if we, if he we could have lived there, I think we would have stayed. Well,
0: yeah. Maybe <laughs> retirement, you know? Exactly.
1: You know, you never know. They might need to learn about American opera and you know American musical theater. Who knows? So. That's right.
0: Well, um, one other thing that I want to talk a little bit about is um, as how how did you become a department chair? Because I think that's again, uh, you know, it, it's a very important job in academia. For those that don't know, you know, I say it's the hardest job at a university. But um, you know, somebody, you know, I, I don't. I'm sure that you're a natural leader. You sound like a person that wants to help other people, and that's really the role of a department chair
1: that's true. That's, that, that's very true. Uh, Yeah. I've heard that quote before too, that it's the hardest job um, on campus. And I guess I kind of, um, I didn't see myself doing this really, but um, because I had been at Elon a long time, I mean, I was, I knew when I took the job that this was going to be a long-term commitment. I didn't have a great deal of, at that point in my life, I just, I wanted a nice place to work and work with some great students. And I was getting that. And I didn't really see myself as, you know, some people who are really young going in academia and say, you know, 28 or something like that, they're, they're doing the stepping stones. But I'd already had a career of teaching mainly as an adjunct and singing and performing and doing all of that. So it was like, this is a very nice way to, you know, continue to do what I do in a nice place. Um, But because I'd been there quite a while, um, when the previous chair was leaving, I was sort of a natural person to go into this role because a lot of, we had some new people on faculty who weren't in a place to take that on. They, you know, they just didn't have the seniority. Um, Some of them have families, young children, and they didn't really want to do that when they were raising other kids. So I was happy to serve. And I, and that's one of the things I always stress about this for those mm-hmm. people who, who think they might want to do it. This is a service role. You are serving your department to make it better and to help your faculty be better. It is it is not some, you know, grand, you know, um, promotion to being the president or something like that. I mean, it's not, it's very interesting uh, in so many ways, I've learned so much about administration that I didn't know and you're in but you are really in between because you go and you meet with your deans and you hear about things that the provost is doing or the president initiatives and all this stuff and you're talking to these deans and you kind of get then you start to understand the way the upper administration thinks and it's like okay and then you go back to your department and you're really kind of trying to find ways where you know, maybe you can work with rules that might seem to some people on faculty a bit, uh, constricting, or shall I say not fair or whatever, but then also, you know, helping, helping your department, you know, um, grow, uh, according to the initiatives of those in, in the higher, the higher administrative area. And so, you know, trying to be, you're just a diplomat, you know, back and forth and trying to be understanding of the needs of both of these worlds and how they must work together in order to really keep that university growing and getting better and better and better. And so, you know, in it, in a way, this has been It's been exciting. We are now hiring three new people on faculty, and and that's exciting to have these searches. We hired a new person last year. We're, We're in a kind of a change, a transition where we're getting newer, younger, and the ones that were younger when I took this are now getting a little older, so I'm hoping they're going to take this over in a couple more years. I signed on for two more years. I was only going to do this four years. And I will pat myself on the back because my faculty said, well, we don't want you to go. Why are you That's leaving? Good. And so, <laughs> so I said, OK, OK, because it is interesting. It's 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 interesting. You have to write a lot. You write a lot of reports. You, you know, you're in the middle of if there's, you know, parents get upset about something or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's very stimulating because I don't sing a lot anymore. I have sung a couple of weddings and a funeral and I sang, uh, every now and then I'll sing a couple of songs on a faculty gala or something like that. But that part of my life has become smaller. And now I'm learning more about something else, which is good as you get older, because you need to always kind of stimulate your brain and, and learn new things. So, you know, it's, um, I I like I said, I kind of didn't, I never saw myself doing this, but now that I'm doing it, I've I've fully embraced it. And always what drives me is my love of music. I want music departments to succeed. I want them to be relevant to the rest of the world. Cause sometimes that's a little difficult to argue
0: mm-hmm. that, that
1: it is relevant, you know, and classical music is still really relevant. And so, you know, I like it because I can champion something that I'm pretty passionate about
0: you know, you mentioned, uh, being around new faculty and, uh, the energy and the enthusiasm, you know, at, that when I talk with young faculty here or anywhere else, you know, it's always the same. I, I feel, I, I, I kind of, um, love that, that energy that they bring. And it makes me think how I've de- sort of grown as an educator. Um, and, and now looking back a little bit, you know, um, how, how do you think you've grown as an educator?
1: Um, I think I'm a whole lot more patient. Um, like a lot of folks, when you get out of if when you get out of that doctoral world, and you know when you're in that world it is just all about the best of the best mm-hmm. and being very thorough in your research on things and speaking intelligently about your your area and 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 i see this a lot with young faculty then they come to a place where they're working with people who are you know first year sophomores you know very very young people and they start putting those standards on them and and it's hard on those students because they simply don't they don't have that whole life that, that 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 person has had. And they're, they're not in that graduate world. The graduate world is very, very different. Mm-hmm. And I was a little that way myself uh, when I first got into it. I had been teaching already some as an adjunct, um, but I was a little bit more demanding uh, in a way that maybe was not as um, sympathetic and I'm a lot more patient. I'm a lot more able, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm a little more able to put myself in their shoes. I, I'm a little more um, uh, empathetic, I think. And, and I start to really understand that um, they they're in a very different world and of course students now they've grown up with all of this social media which has very much shaped and framed their the way of thinking and their perspectives and I have to always kind of um, be aware of that and realize that um, you know a person from my generation can give them something, you know, rather unique uh, in that maybe they start to, to think, you know, in a way that is more, um, I don't know, uh, less about what's going on in the world around them and more about what's happening right now in this moment in their lives and how wonderful it is to be in a creative field where, um, you're just always growing. And um, so I know that that's a big thing that has really, really improved. Uh, I'm better at, um, I think I'm better at communication. Um, I was always good, I think, at meeting students where they were, but I, I would sometimes be, you know, want them, try to encourage them more to go on a path that I thought was right. And I'm better at sort of realizing you know, sometimes you need to let students, if they maybe don't want to do something or they don't want to say a music major or whatever, then that's okay. And to to just um, to just be a little bit more understanding about where they are. I would say that's the main thing. I think my techniques probably are a little bit better, too, just, just because I continue to learn about singing. So um, I think that's probably good but I feel like I always had a pretty good foundation again based on my training um, that started with Sharon Mabry.
0: Yeah I like how you meant I think you wrote this about yourself that you you are continuing to learn uh, Mm -hmm. after all these years and I think that you know as an educator you should we we all hopefully have that same attitude that we've never become uh, the expert that we think that you need to be at a certain level you know if you know, a very humble approach is that uh, every student will provide a different opportunity um, Mm -hmm. to help share information, but also learn from them.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, very definitely. I mean, I always ask my students tons of questions just about, you know uh, what they do, and and you know how they see things, because yeah, it's 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 very interesting, but it's it's also wonderful to play. You know, one of the great things about technology is we have YouTube, which where there are all these fabulous old performances of these wonderful artists. And so um, I bring that up a lot. I have, I have a Diction for Singers class, and I'll bring up some of these artists and we'll listen to them sing. And, and they're fascinated with that uh, because it's a lot of people they don't know. I'll mention people I'll think they'll know, uh, and they don't. And so all of a sudden, you know, they're hearing sounds and music uh it, it, in a different way and 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 I really enjoy that that I enjoy that they really react to it because I think sometimes you know uh, all of us from different generations will dismiss different generations you know oh well they're just blah 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 or they just think about that we have to be careful about not doing that because um we're all human at heart and you know if something's really wonderful. I mean, I think all of us can relate to that, you know, wonderful singer. So, so it's, it's good. It's good to try to keep up with the younger people.
0: So one of the things we always like to end with is uh, a question about what kind of advice do you have to students? And I'm sure this is something that you are talking with your students there at Elon all the time uh, Mm -hmm. or prospective students about, uh, why they should be a music uh, a major in music in some area? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Well, I try to tell them all the time to stay in the moment and to uh, to enjoy as much as they possibly can those college years. To if they're studying a subject, to to. To shut everything else out and focus on that and be in the moment and, you know, realize sometimes what I find, this is what always happens with the first year students. They'll come in and they're very excited and it's just, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this. And And then about a third of the way through that first semester, all of a sudden they're looking really weary and they get all sad and I can't do anything and I made a big mistake, blah, 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 blah you, know, mm-hmm. you know, you've only been here a month i think you're being a little dramatic but anyway that comes from i think you know youth you 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 think this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to be as i said earlier when i was talking about and and it's just kind of you know tell students to take a deep breath and realize that this is part of what is really just wonderful about living is sometimes you don't know but that's all right to not know. And you will figure that out. And rather than just pulling away and then trying to do something different, just, just be there, just be in the, uh, engage with your, with your faculty, engage with your teachers, uh, engage with your, your friends and, and realize that just, you know, being in college is a wonderful time of your life uh not only because of all the wonderful things you'll learn uh, from from your academics but uh it's just a great time to be alive and and to not worry too much about what's going to happen afterwards i mean i know all of us need to go on but but you do um i don't know that i would have thought that a lot of things that have happened to me would have happened when I was there. Uh, but I don't regret any of the, the music that I learned. I learned so much and I en- I loved college. I didn't want to get out. That's why I'm teaching at a college. I just never <laughs> wanted to leave, you know? And so that's something I certainly found out about myself. I was in love with that whole process of mm-hmm. learning. And so, you know, I just say, slow down, take a deep breath, be, enjoy, you know, smell the roses. And even if you, you know, if you, if from your point of view, that you fail from time to time, that's not the end of the world. It's really, really not. You have to fail some. Uh, uh, in that's just part of living and growing. So I guess that would be what I would say. Well, that, you know.
0: Terrific, <laughs> advice. terrific advice, Allie. And I, I tell you, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And I can thank see you. why the Mabrys uh, are so in love with you, and and so glad <laughs> that uh, you know you were connected with Austin P.
1: Oh well, thank I'm in love with them too. They're great, and and thank you, Buzz. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk. I was in Clarksville not too long ago, and it was amazing how it's changed, and the university yes. has changed, uh, and that's just you know part of progress, you know, that's what happens, but uh, I will always hold that place very dear, very dear in my heart.
0: Well, thank you for your time, and hopefully in sometime in the future, we will meet face-to-face next time you're in Clarksville.
1: Well, thank you, Buzz. I'd love that. Take care.
0: And thanks for all of our viewers and listeners out there for checking out the podcast. We hope that you will join us as we continue to profile some of the outstanding alumni we have, in the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin Peay State University. So until next time, stay safe, take care, and God bless.